Good morning. Oh, you are in for a treat today, my friends. Across this great globe we live today, there is one fundamental tool that if you can get this tool mastered, if you can participate in lifetime engagement of this one tool that we're going to discuss today, you can change not your life only, but the lives of everyone you touch. Hey, good morning. This is Jimmy Williams with Live a Life by Design. Your Monday morning moments of motivation are just after this introduction. You know, it's been truly our pleasure to bring you some of the greatest guests that you'll have on a podcast. They are passionate about their areas of expertise. These are areas that, as your lowly co-host, I just love to talk about because these are my passions as well. You know, I have this saying in life, and you may have heard it many times on this podcast, but I would rather calm down a fanatic than warm up a corpse. <laughs> so thank you for being with us today. This guest today has been a lifelong friend of mine. I've known his family. I've known him. I've watched him become such a man of character, leadership in his profession, I don't want to do anything that, that would take away from our discussion, so I'm going to leave it with that. But I do want to say a couple of things on his bio that I think is impressive, not just to me, but I know you'll find this as well. This guest today is the current Oklahoma Secretary of Education for Governor Kevin Stitt. Now, that in itself should tell you he knows what he's doing. But he also has played a role in other educational avenues, such as teaching at the public school level, teaching AP history courses. He even had the one idea that if he involved your humble co-host in some of his learning by presenting to his history club a World War II, if you will, play regarding the two leaders of the European faction, uh, Sir Churchill and the illustrious Adolf Hitler, that we could educate these children. But we're going to talk a little bit about that in our interview. I think I may have scared his history club, but we, we'll come back to that in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce to you my good friend, Secretary Ryan Walters. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me, and, and thanks for that introduction there. I'm, I'm excited to be on this morning. I got to tell you, friend, not nearly as excited as we are. I, I got to tell you, you've got to first help me with some things. You know, first of all, I know you're a younger gentleman in your 30s, but uh, don't you still require some sleep? <laughs> hey, you know, uh, there's a lot going on right now, so I, I'm excited to, to be involved in the education space. There's just so many moving parts, and there's so much going on. So, you know, I mean, I get some sleep, get some sleep so, sometimes. So, so let me, uh, if I could, folks, for our subscribers and listeners, let me just give you a very brief thumbnail sketch of his bio. Uh, Ryan's taught eight years as a high school history teacher in McAllister High School. That's here in Oklahoma. And during his time there, he taught advanced placement courses in world history, U.S. history, and U.S. government. And then if that didn't happen to top off his day, he's the current CEO of Every Kid Counts Oklahoma and simultaneously teaches AP courses in U.S. history at Millwood High School and McAllister High School in a pilot course through the Oklahoma Supplemental Online Course Program. And as CEO of Every Kid Counts Oklahoma, Ryan is empowering teachers, parents, and community leaders to improve Oklahoma's education system for all students. Wow, Ryan, I'm tired just reading all that. Wow. <laughs> 
Yes. You know, I mean, so with the organization, um, you know, what we're really doing is a lot of uh, parent advocacy, teacher, educator advocacy and, and community leaders to just get more, you know, the way we look at it is you've got these three groups, right? You've got teachers that are there on the ground. They're, they're, they're working in the classrooms. They understand what it means to educate students. They get the day-to-day of it. Parents, they have, the, I mean, who knows the students better than their parents? Their parents know the aspirations of their child. They know what works with their child. They know the unique individual needs of their child. And then community leaders and business leaders on the, on the tail end of it, they see the end product and they know what they want from the education system. And so what we've been working on with Every Kid Counts Oklahoma is bringing those three together and, and creating this voice of how do we improve our schools? How do we empower educators? How, how do we do all this? And so, uh, yeah, we've uh, really enjoyed our work there with those groups. Man, I tell you, that is exciting stuff. And I have seen it here on ground zero in our state, and it is making great strides in the educational system of our state. I want to give you a quick story, Ryan. You may not know this, but I'm a little bit older than you. I'm about to age your dad. And (laughs) that's very young, folks, if you're listening. Very, very young, by the way. what I want to say to you is Mrs. Smith. Now, if I say Mrs. Smith to you without context, you're not going to know what I really mean, are you? Right? No, sir. So I'm going to give you a hint of what Mrs. Smith did for me in my life. Now, picture this now. This would have been 1971. Now, I know what you're saying. That's a long time ago. But in 1971, Mrs. Smith was my first grade teacher at a small public school, Class A school, in LaFleur County, Oklahoma, a very, very small town called Cameron, Oklahoma. Mrs. Smith that day wrote on the chalkboard. I got you there, Ryan. You don't even have a chalkboard. I bet you got that smart board and all that good stuff, right? That's right. That's right. right. So, So this is like history, man. This is in the making here. So Mrs. Smith wrote on the board, lifetime goals, those two words. And in the first grade, I really didn't grasp what she meant until she came up to me and she said, You can be anything in life you want to be if you'll work hard to get there and stay educated. That was powerful to me. Isn't that what you're really doing for the state of Oklahoma, importance of education on our future? That's it. I mean, you know, so I think obviously a wonderful teacher there. And, and, you know, I, I think every child in Oklahoma needs a teacher like that. Every child needs that that person that says, listen to me, you're you're good enough you're capable. You can, you can follow your, your life is an open book. I love working with young people because young people, once you get them on fire and you get them to realize the power that they have to make those decisions in their life on what path they go down, it's electric. Um, you know, what breaks my heart is to see students that get into despair. You see the depression rates, you see teen suicides, and it is just such an incredibly heartbreaking statistic because you think about, you have your whole life in front of you and, 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 to have teachers that, that, that get in there with students and empower them in that way and talk to them about, you can literally, with hard work, and again, you know, we're, we're firm believers in high expectations on students. Hey, students, you know, we're going to hold you to this bar because we know you can do it. There's, there's power in that. You know, my, my best, the best teachers I had, the best coaches I had held me to a really high standard. And there were times where I thought, why well, I, I can't do that. Like you, you're, you know, you're asking way too much of me. And now I look back and go, thank goodness that they held me to that. And, and it was because they cared about me. They truly cared about me. And so what a great story there, Jimmy. That that's Those are the two. We hear stories like that across the state. It just warms your heart to hear these teachers that are willing to tell students the hope that's in front of them 
and what they can do with their lives. It's such an empowering message. Oh, absolutely. So I've I got to tell you, Ryan, I know you're a prolific lifetime learner as I, and, and one of my most favorite quotes about the power of education comes from, of course, President Nelson Mandela. You know, a gentleman that spent 20 plus years of his professional life in prison for his beliefs in freedom. This is powerful, folks. He says, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Don't you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think there's anything that, you know, we talk about a lot of issues in society. I think so much of it depends on, you know, the studies have shown education and with a good proper education, it's such an empowering tool. You talk about solving so much of our issues with poverty, criminal justice reform. Um, we look at health issues. All the studies show that again, with reading proficiency, math proficiency, and it even goes beyond that. Again, there's a lot of research that's going into the power of hope. What is hope? How, how do you get hope in young people? And you just look at your life expectancy goes up. You're much more willing to not find yourself in poverty. Um, you're much more willing to end up in a, in a family dynamic with a good educational um, background. And so I, I again, the, it's hard to overstate the power of education in society and its impact on, um, you know, our, our, our future. It, you really, I don't know that you can overstate it. You know, as I said just a moment ago, I'm a lifetime learner. I felt as though uh, if I could learn and continue to grow as a person through wisdom and knowledge and making those types of relationships with the educational world, that I had an opportunity to seek, as Miss Smith said, whatever I dreamed in life. And I'd like for us today to focus on a couple of areas of what you're doing with Every Kid Counts. Let, let's talk about what's the typical child. Now, of course, we're not going to mention any names, but what's the typical demographic of a child that you see facing challenges in our state? And what can we do as citizens of the world to help the children in wherever they may be situated as listeners today? Yeah, let, let me, I'll start with, you know, I, I think that it's, when, when we look around the state and we, we you know, look at the, the student population and meet students from across the state, um, of course, you see the generational poverty and you see students that, that have a difficult time getting out of it and, and that don't see a path out of it. Don't think college or, or certain careers are for them or think this is, you know, again, that they're, they're a lot, that they're not going to be able to jump out of this. And, and, and so you've got that as a major issue initially. And that's where I think that the, those high expectations are very important, um, regardless of background. Again, I see coaches that do a great job of this, right? You know, you see coaches and, you know, some of our best uh, sports teams, they're not coming from your most affluent areas. You know, they get in there and, they, and, and they're, they're great, they're motivational, they usually have some kind of character dynamic. You know, I, I love studying good coaches, it's like studying good military leaders, right? There's such an overlap there that they say, hey, you know, it's about building a culture. It's about building, you know, if I can get you to buy into teamwork, if I can get, and I'm, and I'm a former basketball coach, right? So if I can get you to buy into teamwork, if I can get you to buy into putting others before you, if I can buy, get you to buy into doing the right thing, if I can get you to buy into doing what's hard, because guess what? Sometimes what, what most pays off and what's the, the best thing for us as a team is hard work. And it requires some self-sacrifice from you and some dedication. If I get you there, the X's and O's, 
that'll all take care of itself. And, and you see coaches that do this and are able to really get in there with, with students in poverty, with, with these, uh, with these students that, that, that sometimes have a hard time seeing that motivation because for them, they're going, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see a path out, you know? And so I think that that's, that's something that we see a lot. And I'll say another point, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, one of the, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, sometimes students that are that are frustrated with school and, and that are behavior problems. And again, you know, you look at that and you peel that back a little bit about, you know, that's a manifestation of a lot of frustrations there that go on at home that, that, that could go on at school. I also get really concerned about student apathy. You know, I, you know, a lot of times, you know, I see the, you know, as a teacher, I would have a student that would come in angry and come in frustrated. And over time, I could talk to him, work with them, and we could, but you know, a lot of times, some of the students that were really tough to reach was the student that was super disengaged. Um, you know, didn't, well, what, what does this matter to me? How does this make a difference to me? And we've got to win them over. You know, we've got to make sure that students see the impact education can have on their individual life. And again, this isn't, and again, I'm, I know I'm, I'm preaching to a, a student of history here. So I, I know that you understand that at a, at a, in a great level. But when we get young people to realize this is not some theory that doesn't apply to your life. This is, this is information that you can utilize to, to live a more fulfilling life. I think that's where you start seeing you can turn the corner with these students. But those are, you know, broadly speaking, you know, the concerns of students in poverty, the concerns of students that don't see education as, quote, for them or, or impactful to them. You know, those are some of the things that I think are some of those barriers that we've got to figure out ways around to get the most out of our, our students. No, I absolutely agree with all of that. And one thing I can suggest, too, that you, you recommended something about a student of history. Now, I, I'm not nearly to your level, my friend, but I got to be honest with you. I love to read, study history. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the fun things that we do with education that keep children engaged. You talked about that, that lack of engagement. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how eloquently you quoted uh, Sir Winston Churchill as, of course, being the victor of the European campaign, along with the Allies. Uh, did any of your kids in that history club like have to need counseling after I got through with my uh, Adolf Hitler discussion? Oh boy, that was that was quite an event. So right, so I, I kind of got up and gave the you know that, and again, this was something that to take it away from just a textbook reading or a general overview. You know, this this was an event that we did where I stepped into the role of of this is what was going on in Winston Churchill's head, and and all of these cabinet meetings when he's in his war cabinet, when they're looking at what uh, the Germans are doing, when they're talking through how do we move forward, what does this look like, especially when it looks like this, the DAC is stacked against you. What, what was that mindset? And, and, I, and Jimmy was telling us, again, from the other side, uh, you know, how, what, what is, how is Hitler continuing to keep his population motivated? What is his, you know, driving force here? You know, because again, those two, I think, gave us a great example. And this is why, you know, you and I collaborated on this for young people to see. And I love the dichotomy between those two men. Both of them had fathers that weren't engaged in their life. And it, and, it, and it bothered them for the rest of their life. And to me, it's always a great, I, I love to kind of highlight that in that. So both of them as youths were, were troubled by that fact, right? And I see that a lot today, right? Of, 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 of students in, in homes where the father's absent. And you can see young men, I'm t you can just see it all over them. I mean, it's as a coach, it, it really has a, ter a terrible impact on young people to not have that male mentor. And you see them both of them. And one of them decided, 
that he was going to go on and try to work for through the best in people and wanted to further on his family's name and had pride in his family, had pride in his country. And then the other guy uh, decided to play on the worst in people, decided to play, to, to play into hatred, to play into fear and, and to do this for this, this, this selfish gain. And, um, and again, the paths that these two men take when faced with a somewhat similar um, situation, I think is, it was a great case study. And again, I think that we put students in the shoes and again, you were a great actor that day. So that also helped, but it really did. You know, we tried to get students into that mindset of going, guys, you know, this isn't just a, uh, you know, something in attack, something that's completely unrelatable. You know, th- these are decisions that human beings just like you and I made. And you see the, pl- the course that they played in history and, and the different paths that those two men chose. And the point of all of this discussion for our listeners was the fact that education, if you think about the, the headmaster of the school, of which at that time, very elitist Churchill, his father was serving as a prominent uh, politician, his own headmaster calls his father in, Churchill's father, and says, this boy will never learn anything. This same man became an artist, a sculptor, a he, he became a world leader and he became knighted by the queen of England. He also became, if you think about it, an author of volumes of books. So for someone that said they can't learn, and this is what I want to challenge you with today, Mr. Secretary, is how can we get to each child that learns differently when we have limited resources? What do we need to empower our teachers, our professors, our instructors to, in some way to help reach everyone at their level? That's a great question. And, and, you know, and that's where I think we've got to ask those questions. I think we've got to be, you know, I I think there's sometimes um, in in everything in life, but I see it in education all the time that we do things a certain way because we've done them a certain way. And and there's not a, a great explanation as to things. I mean, you know, just, just, just simply took, you look at the class uh, hours and you look at our class schedule. Well, this goes back to the early 18. Why do you have summers off? Why do you start? Well, it was for harvest. I mean, you go back to the early 1800s. Now I'm not, you know, again, I'm not, you know, Hey, if we want to have summers off and everything, I'm not saying that we don't, but what I'm saying is you just look at so much of the structure of education that we've done it for a long time. We've done it a certain way and, and we need to start asking these questions. And I think your premise right there is the right one. What do we, what is best for students? You know, um, what can we do to grow student learning and grow student engagement? Because so much of today, the, the information is out there. You know, I made a shift as a teacher my second year and that, you know, I started off as like, Hey, I'm going to walk in every day and I'm going to lecture to students for 45 minutes. I'm, I'm a history guy. I love it. I can talk it all the time. Um, anybody that's been around me knows, Hey, if you get me sidetracked on, you know, the civil war or Winston Churchill or, or European history, uh, there you go. I'm, I'm off and running. But, you know, I got uh, about halfway through the year and I'm going, you know, some kids love it, right? Some kids hate listening to me talk all day. You know, some kids are with me for 20 minutes and they're not. And so I really began as a teacher to say, look, I have got to, to, to do this in different ways. I've got to really engage them. I've got to get groups working together. I've got to get them talking. I've got to get them engaged. I've got to get them involved. I've got to get them moving around. I've got to get them looking at this from different angles that might appeal to them in different ways. And it took me taking this kind of critical view of myself to say, look, you know, I've got to, I've got to do better. And, and, I've got, and it's not a you know, and when I say this about the broader education system, it's not in a, I don't mean that to sound like an attack or anything like that. I mean that to say what's most important 
is our young people. That's the whole, the whole reason we have an education system. It is for our, our young people. So what is best for them? And I think that we've got to take looks at how do we train teachers? What does the school day look like? What does the curriculum look like? How do we, how do we judge student learning? Uh, you know, assessment tools. I think this is a constant conversation, you know, um, you know, it, it, because again, they talk about, you know, it matters what you measure because what you measure is going to be, of course, you know, kids, it, I, it always kind of drove me crazy, but you, but you got to remember, you know, three days in, guess what I get? Is this going to be on the test? Well, I'm going to need to know this. Well, guess what? If the answer is no, <laughs> you can imagine what the, what that means for that student. So you have to constantly be, you know, you've got to assess correctly. We need to look at that. We need to look at how do we make sure that in, again, we have students, every student's different. Every student's unique. Every student has unique talents, uh, unique skill set. At the same time, I think there's certain things we need. Students have to know. I think there's this baseline of standards they need to know, but we don't want that to be a ceiling. We want that to be a baseline. And we have got to continue to look at the way we assess, look at the way we train teachers, look at the way our schools are designed, look at the way our learning, our, 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 our content curriculum is designed to ensure that, yeah, you know, and you're going to hear me talk a lot about reading proficiency and math proficiency. But you know what? I, I view that as a, as a baseline. That's not an end goal. That, that is, we've got to get our students there so that they're going above and beyond and leaping beyond that. And I think that, um, you know, th those are some of the conversations we're really interested in having. And I think the education community is interested in having them. I think broader society, I think parents, you know, that they get excited about what they're, you know, they get, that's their, their son or daughter. You know, they want the world to be open to them. They don't want a minimum. You know, they want, they want us to, to blow the top off the ceiling. And I, and I think education is, is prime for that. Um, for that type of reform, for those type of ideas. So that's kind of where I see that, that headed. You know, the, the key thing too about all of this is, is the initiative, the understanding, and it goes back to that communication between the, the teacher, instructor, professor, and the student sitting in those seats. That lack of engagement, you said, is one that we have to overcome truly through the creativity of the person transmitting that education to the listener. Right. So we, we can't just come up and say, you know, I'll, I'm not going to say where this happened, but in one of my undergrad courses, I've got a master's in law and taxation. But one of my undergrad courses, the professor came in. It was a common course you had to take, came in and simply said, if it's in the book, it'll be on the exam. You need to read the book. That was the engagement. And I looked at him and I'm thinking, oh, wow, is this how this works? And it's my freshman year. I mean, this is how this works. I came from a high school, very small engaged with us. I mean, the, the teachers took an, an actual interest in the child. So this professor came out and said that. So I just went, you know, like a, a naive, I went to his office immediately after class and I said, professor, so-and-so, uh, I need to understand, um, wh what do you mean if it's in the book, it's on the test? Are, are you going to give us something like a, your syllabus? Do we get something to, <laughs> to know what this is about? He said, oh yeah, we'll get that next. He said, my first day, I just want to shock everyone. You guys are freshmen. And I like what he did in a way, and I dislike what he did in a way, because not everyone in that class of 75 people went to see him, just me. No one else got up and go, what does this mean? And so, you know, at the end of the day, too, I love what you said about lifetime education. If I can talk about one thing, it's lifetime education. Now, you and I, and this is not a promotion. They don't endorse me. I don't ask for any money from them. But I am a big fan, and as you are, the great courses. This is such a great platform for people that are 
if you will, I've read all I'm going to read because I got a bachelor's degree. Got news for you folks. This world is more challenging. It needs you to be at your utmost and your greatest. Get online. They've even got some opportunities to take free courses on there if you wish to try them out. Get a, get some kind of a week or two. Listen to them. Make some difference. I love, want to give you one of my quotes, though, Mr. Secretary. It's by Maya Angelou. This lady had been, again, just like President Nelson Mandela, put through a life-altering event all of her life. Did not have money, was not born into money, but she seized the opportunity through education to become greater than what she could have become. She says, education is a process that goes on till death. Man, I love that. The moment you see someone who knows she has found the one true way and can call all the others false, then you know you're in the company of an ignoramus. Her words, not mine. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk a little bit about what, what do you see as your vision in your role as a secretary, as an advisor to the chief executive officer of our state, what do you see as your role for Governor Stitt? Yes, sir. That's a great question. You know, and, and so, you know, working with the governor has been, has been great. You know, I, I mentioned earlier about what's best for kids. Uh, you know, one of my first policy meetings with him, I had some proposals for him and, um, you know, he looks at me afterwards. And the first question he said is, Hey, is that what's best for kids? And I said, uh, you know, yes, sir. Let me kind of go over. He goes, I just, I want to be very clear. Do you think that's the best that we can do for our students? And he has said that multiple times. And I, and I just love that approach that that's, that's, that's been, and that's, that's his heart. That's where his, his that's his mindset on, on, on education um, that, that he wants to be very direct and very deliberate about uh is this the best answer? If it's not, go back to the drawing board and give me a better one. But, but I want to know, is this, in your opinion, is this, is, this, is this as good as what we can do with this legislation, with this policy or whatnot? Um, but yeah, so, so as Secretary of Education, um, I'm his uh, top education advisor. Um, so I get to, uh, you know, help the governor there kind of develop those policies and bring, a, bring about, you know, a vision for Oklahoma. It's also, a, it's, so it's a cabinet level position. So there's that other interesting dynamic is I'm in a cabinet with a secretary of workforce, secretary of agriculture, uh, secretary of health and human services. And so we get to sit there and it's great too, because while I'm, you know, in, in my lane here on education, I'm also part of a broader, we, we've got a, you know, multiple acting working groups, but, you know, I get to sit there and, and, and bend uh, secretary authors here on, on agriculture and what are we doing in child nutrition and what can we be doing better? Um, I get to talk to uh, the secretary of workforce about it. that collaboration and that ensuring, and to your point earlier about education being kind of this broad, um, you know, kind of, it, it can help in all these areas, getting all of these individuals into a room and talking about how these different sectors interact how they affect each other and how you can work together has, has been um, a, a tremendous thing to be a part of. Um, I've really enjoyed that. And again, you know, the governor's vision on education is that again, you know, he is a firm believer that there's nothing holding Oklahoma back from being top 10 um, in, in all these categories. And we want to be a top 10 state in education. We want to knock the top off in education. And so we want to take looks at how, how do we, you know, again, is the way we fund education, can it be, can that, can that be improved? Um, is the way that we have policies surrounding schools, do we have barriers in place for teachers and administrators that need to go? Do, do we have good transparency so that students, parents can see how they're doing or see how their schools are doing? Is this data good for schools? You know, that's something else that, you know, we, we've really been talking a lot about lately is we, we take assessments, we do, we do, we have these standards, 
Do teachers feel like those assessments and, and, and data points are something that's actionable for them? Can they take that and improve their instruction based upon it? Because if they can't, that's a problem. And so that's one of the, the data pieces we've been looking at is, are, are these really reflective and actionable for lawmakers and policy leaders, but also for teachers, for school leaders? So um, those are some of the categories that we're going to, to be engaged on. And we've got, you know, again, we've got big aspirations. We want Oklahoma to be the best in education. I mean, we, we are, you know, no apologies about that. We're going to do what we think, um, meeting with all of these different leaders, all of these different thought partners, all of these different people in these areas. And, and we're bound and determined uh, to get there. Outstanding. You've got my support. I can assure you of that. Let me ask a very different type of question for you today. Who's one of your mentors you could provide us today and why are they a mentor? And I love this phrase, but here it goes. How did they impact you to become the leader you are today? So now that's a great question. I, I have, I have several mentors. Um, I've got, you know, I, I've got parents that really have always grounded me. Uh, they've always encouraged me. Um, they've always told me, you know, that, you know, when I came home in 10th grade, I had this amazing history teacher in 10th grade that just the switch flipped for me. I mean, it was one of those moments where I had, his name was Mr. Horn. He was a U.S. history teacher at McAllister. He passed away a few years ago. Um, instantly, I'm talking within a week. It just, the way that he described events and the way that he described individuals and made it so practical, it honestly, it did. It took me and opened up the world for me where I began to see, I know people like that. Wait a second. Like I, I've seen things like this play out and I started understanding that, you know, through the study of history, I can literally understand the world around me. I can, I, I have a playbook. I can, I can better anticipate what's going to happen next because so many of these same issues have played out over time. It was just like this light bulb moment that I've never been able to turn off ever since, right? So, you know, instantly when I came home and was telling my parents how excited I was about history and how I wanted to be a teacher from the day one, I mean, it was, go do it. This would be, you would be great. You'd be amazing. Now you, you need to do this and this and this, but they've always been incredibly encouraging. You know, I talk, I, you know, of course, talk to them daily and, um, and, and they have just been in, in, incredible in my life. Um, I also, you know, and very, very close to my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather um, served in the, in the Navy. Uh, my grandfather is one of these people that just has this incredible perspective. He was a student of history. You know, uh, Mr. Horn turned me on to wanting to, to be a history teacher, but that love of history, my grandfather would sit around and tell me these stories and would talk to me about, about presidents and about things that he had seen. And, and it just always impacted me to see his thought making, his, his, his decision making process in the military as someone who, who, who worked with young people and, and, and he always talked to me about, listen, you know, when you're dealing with young people, you've got to command respect, don't demand it. You know, you, you've got to be the person there that is the true leader that they want to follow you. You know, like there, there is the strict discipline, right? I mean, he was in the military. He made that very clear to me, but he also wanted me to realize that it's, it's a leadership thing. It's really about the way that you're commanding them. That that's really where that respect is fostered. So, so much of, you know, th those are my, you know, the people that have really been mentors to me. I've had several school leaders and teachers uh, that I've worked with uh, at McAllister uh, that were, that have been incredibly impactful to me as well there. So the mentors, uh, those are some of the mentors, you know, I, I was, you know, one of the, one of the things about, I know, again, you and I keep coming back to history, but uh, I am often 
you know, when I look at, uh, you know, Truman's quote that he said his closest advisor was Plutarch, <laughs> you know, the, Absolutely. He'd go to his cabinet, you know, he said he'd go to his cabinet. They didn't have an answer for him. So he'd go and read this, you know, Plutarch's uh, parallel lives is an incredible history book, uh, uh, where again, he, he took the best and worst Romans and compared them to the best and worst Greeks and said, look, you can know kind of like these different archetypes and these different types of individuals. And, and you can really learn a lot about people through studying people, you know, shockingly. Right. right. And, you know, and I do, and to your point, I, I get on the great courses. I, I read a lot of history. I still do. And, and it's always amazing to me of how many times, you know, it's, it's strange, but I know as history people, we get that, but you read somebody and you identify with them and you see their struggle and you see the issues they're facing. And, and it becomes this, interesting dynamic that I feel like I can open up a book and I've got an advisor, uh, you know, so, so those are, you know, I got my, my, my real life mentors, but you know, you saying that always makes me think about, uh, you know, being engaged in history and being an active reader, it really does help, um, in that perspective. So you're going to laugh, Ryan. I, I know you and I share that we, as you said, we're talking about history today, but you and I share a love and effects, uh, affection for the civil war era, the 1861, 65 era, uh, and I don't know that I can see behind you clearly enough, but I believe that's my favorite president behind you of historic nature. Is that President Abraham Lincoln sitting in his uh, chair in the uh, memorial? Yeah. So yes, sir. let me let me tell you what I learned from him. And you're going to laugh, but he came up a very poor boy in Kentucky, right? And at the end of the day, his father said, you don't have time for education. I need you to, quote, build fences or haul wood or work, basically. So he would actually... Uh, almost sounds terribly like servitude, but he would actually take his son, Abraham Lincoln, and loan him to other farmers to earn money for the family. That's how destitute they were. Abraham Lincoln then saw the value of education on his own. What can we do to to instill that Abraham Lincoln initiative in children today of wanting to, quote, read by the only light he had, the fireplace, the only book he had, the Bible, uh, wh whatever he could get his hands on. He taught himself to read. He taught himself to write. He taught himself to speak. And he became the 16th president of this country, man. How can I help sow those seeds with you as a citizen in the students' lives today? That's, that's a great question. You know, and, and you know, one of the things that I think has been really interesting in education that is. Uh, I always love when I read studies and I go, I'm glad you did a study on that, but kind of feel like, you know, my grandfather told me that like 20 years ago, you know I mean? Like that's, that's kind of a, you know, um, right. you know, one of these things that's been interesting in kind of the educational academia has been this concept of grit. Angela Duckworth is a researcher at the university of Pennsylvania. And there's this concept of, Hey, I've done these studies and you know what? I, I think more than baseline IQ, uh, more than some standardized tests at a certain level. You know what is the best, you know, kind of like uh, test or ability to understand how students will be successful? It's this thing called grit. And she said that's that's a prolonged determination over time. But it's not just this. And she has a grit test and everything else. But, you know, again, there, there's an old Churchill quote about that as well, where he talks about, you know, hey, you want to talk about a measure for success. It's this prolonged engagement. It is this per perseverance that, that, pro that, that goes over time. That more than intelligence, more than anything else, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep the fight prolonged. And, you know, and I see that sometimes, uh, to your point with Lincoln, in young people, it's this, and we all I fall, fall guilty of this, right, that instant gratification, where, hey, you know, well, you know, and I, and I have that, and I have those conversations, you know, I still teach the uh, um, history courses here to high school students. And, 
you know, and I get that from students sometimes. Well, you know, I studied last night and I still didn't do well. And I go, okay, well, did you just study last night? Yeah, well, I just studied last night. Okay, well, <laughs> let's, let's, let's study more than that. Like, let's talk through it. You know, let's, let's look at what you're doing. And you know what? It's, it's probably not going to just be this easy you turn a switch, right? You know, hey, you know, it is for some people. But for most of us, you know, we, we've got to work at it. You know, we've got to sit here and 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 I think that young people today, um, I think that we've got to continue to to preach that hard work um, that that things pay off. And a lot of times, the things that really pay off, they take a while, right? It's not this instant. It's not that it happens tomorrow. But but these these really aspirational things that you can do, you can do them. But now let's also be clear because sometimes I think we say the first part of the message, but we don't say the second part. We say you can do anything. But then we don't give them the, the genuine path or expectations on what it means to get there. And, you know, and I, I love, you know, I love being the motivator with students. I love talking to them about what they can do. You know, and it's not as fun saying, I'm sorry, you've you got to do better than this. Um, I'm sorry, this is the expectation and, and you weren't there. You can do better. You know, uh, that's not a fun conversation to have with, with young people, but it's a necessary one. And it's necessary because I was that kid. I was the kid that was going to, you know, I was going to, if you didn't engage me and you didn't get me super motivated, I probably wasn't going to work really hard. That, that was just, you know, kind of my personality. But now if you got me, if you won me over and if, and if I believed in, in you and I believed in what you were doing, I, I'd run through a wall for you. And, and, you know, you see that about, and again, you know, I say that about me, that's, that's young people in general. If, if you can get them and they get it that you care, but they also get why what you're doing is important to them. I think it makes all the difference in the world. And I think, you know, we talk about this as teachers, but it's also just people in the community. You know, I, I do, I, I, I'm, I, I do, I, I worry a lot about young people and the dynamic today compared to where it was. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you talk about, you know, just boy scouts, you talk about students being involved in sports. Students had mentors all over town, you know, that it was, they were in school. And I'm not saying this doesn't go on today, but you have more and more students that, that, you know, they play video games all day. And again, I'm not like an anti-video game person. I'm, I'm really not. But there's the isolation that concerns me. There's the lack of, you know, you see uh, sports programs and things like that, that students aren't as engaged in. So you, you think, okay, are they getting this, these role models in the community where they want to be that role model, right? Where, where they're engaged and they go, this is great. You know, these are people in town that care about me that want me engaged, I mean, they're volu- you know, I always look at, you know, all these parents that volunteer coaches. What a great thing, right? You're volunteering to be with young people. You're talking to, you get to do these life lessons. That's my favorite part. And my favorite part about coaching, and I loved kind of the intense moments I did. You know, I, I really uh, miss that sometimes. But you know what I miss a lot more than that is being able to talk to young people about life. You know, just being able to go, this was hard. We lost. It's, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. You know, we thought we were going to win. You know, we thought our season was going to continue. Right. But, you know, uh, you know, what's really important? What's really important is that we, we have each other's back. You know, what's really important is all the lessons that we learned here, that hard work does pay off. That, you know what, when I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And, you know, and that's one of those things is as I got, you know, a little bit more age in the coaching, you know, I, and, I, and I know at first I was like, you know, it kind of sounds weird, but I would tell the kids I loved them all the time. You know, I never knew um, – you know, I never knew when it would be, you know, you never know, you know, I've had students that, that aren't with us anymore and, and you never know. Do they hear that? Do they, do they hear that? And I think to have community leaders that are engaged and young people, they see when people are genuine. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll brag on you. I mean, like, you know, our love, our history club love when you'd come around because you're so gen- They knew like he, he, he cares about us. He's excited about this. 
I think it makes all the difference for young people. And I think that, again, when I, when I hear stories about depression and, and you hear things like that, it's just so heartbreaking and, and it can make all the difference for adults um, to go to them and say, you know, you matter, you're important, you're important. I mean, that's why I'm here. It, just your time shows their importance that you're willing to do that for them. So, you know, that's, that's one of those things that I think that as, as communities, we want to continue to do is to let young people feel that you are so important to us. We can be a mentor to you. Um, your life has this tremendous value. Um, I just think that the, that that the impact of that it's really hard to even quantify or, or think about that. But but you know you love those communities that you see that are able to do that and surround their young people. Oh man, that is uh, I'm getting some goosebumps over here, Ryan, because that's some powerful information, powerful story as well. I want to bring this around. I know you've got valuable things you've got to do today as well, and we don't want to take too much advantage of your kindness to. Just tell me, though, one last thing. If you could leave our listeners with one statement today of advice about education, leadership, leaving a legacy, whatever, what would that one statement of advice be today? Oh, boy. So if I, if I, could, if I could leave you, know, you with one thing, and that is one person can absolutely make a difference. As a matter of fact, if history tells us anything, it's that people make a difference, that people can have a genuine impact on the world around them. But, but you know, your impact is, is really immeasurable. And I would tell students this, um, and, I, and I think just as a, as a leader, as someone that's, I'm thankful that, 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 that God's given me the opportunity to be in this position. And, and you know, I'm just a, a vessel that, that he's using. I'm glad that he's using me, and I want to be responsible of, of the opportunity I've been given. Um, but we can make a difference. Individuals have always made a difference. And by the way, that, that means, you know, as a teacher, that means as a community leader, that means a husband or a wife that, that may, I mean, the difference that, that we make in this world is, is unbelievable what that impact can be. And we, you can change, one person can change the world because that's, that's what, how it happens. Number one, but you can change the world around you so quickly and the power of the individual is something that never ceases to amaze me is that one person and there and we you know right now yeah, there's only this one moment that we have you and i are sharing this moment together and in life how many of these moments do we have and we have so many opportunities to have these tremendous impacts on people and i would just encourage you know again i've i've been very lucky and very thankful that that really amazing people have have entrusted me with with some leadership responsibility um, but I would just encourage everyone to, you know, that's, that's something that's meant a lot to me is to just try to say, what can I do in this moment to try to help somebody or, or try to have an impact? And I think that, um, that you see it all the time and you see it when people do it to you and what a difference some conversations can make in your life. There are certain conversations. I was just recalling one the other night that I could remember something that someone said to me when I was 13 years old. I could remember just like it was yesterday. It made a difference. It stood out to me. It made me realize maybe I can do this. I mean, those moments we have, you know, a finite supply of them, right? You know, we, we only have so much time in this world and to take advantage of as many of those as possible. You know, you are going to be the Mrs. Smith of the 2020 era that I had in 1971 to someone's life. And I'm not teasing. I think you're going to be that person that they're going to look back in 20 years. And, and what, what I want our teachers and educators, administrators uh, to listen when I say this, when they're listening to this podcast, you never know 
the fruits of your labor because you planted that seed today. Mrs. Smith, she's been deceased now for many years, of course, but what I want to say is if I could see her today, I would say you don't know the fire you started in 1971. You teachers have the power, just like Churchill versus Hitler, you have the power to grow and engage or you have the power to cause the opposite. I encourage everyone listening today, thank you for joining us at this few moments and thank you Secretary Walters, for your time today. I know you're very busy. I appreciate you being here. This has been exciting for me to share a few moments of this day with you, and I know our listeners will be better for it. So trust you'll have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, again, thank you for all you're doing to me. I love the podcast. I, I love the encouragement. I love the motivation. Again, I love the context you provide to these conversations. Uh, thank you so much for having me on today. It's truly my pleasure. Best of luck. And hey, if you see the governor, would you tell him Jimmy said hello? (laughs) I I absolutely will. Yes, sir. Thank you, friend. Can you not just feel the passion that Ryan has about his role in shaping the lives of students? You can do the same thing in your world. As he said, it's only that one person that causes the spark of change to make the world a better place. The challenge this week for all of our listeners is I want you to focus on the areas of life that you wish to improve and concentrate your efforts to obtaining the resources necessary to empower you to not just reach your goals, but to seize your dreams. You can do it. Don't allow yourself to live in mediocrity. You were designed for greatness. Go ahead. Live your life by design. You can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your friends and family about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company, all rights reserved. Our recording engineer is Happy Design Company. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. Our intern is Brindley.